Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. How are you guys doing this week? Really good. Happy to be back. We have the trio back together. Just wanted to give a couple of special shout outs. Uh, I know we had mentioned a few weeks ago, and I'm sure all of the listeners know about it, but uh, Tom Grassi continuing his journey across country, raising a ton of money for St. Jude's. And we have, what, eight days left now. Uh, and so I would just really highly encourage you to go check out that content. And also, you know, if if you have the capability to to donate, I'm a little bummed because I was hoping to get to check them out in Vegas or L.A., but I'm just going to miss them because I'm going to be out of town. Um, but like just what a wonderful, wonderful thing to do and heard that he's going to be on the uh, Rich Eisen show to close things out at the end of the month. Um, and then also earlier this week, uh, a couple days ago, Dusty Evely had Mina Kimes on the Back of Day podcast. So if you have not listened to that episode yet, go back and do it. It is really, really great. Awesome. Anytime you get to hear somebody from a national perspective kind of break down what Green Bay is doing. But Mina especially has some awesome insight and or just a really, really cool show to have two brilliant people chatting about the Packers. How are you doing, Maggie? I'm good. I'm going to give my special show shout out to you for getting married last weekend because that's so exciting and wonderful. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was great. Thank you so much. It was it was great to be back in Wisconsin for a little bit. And, uh, you know, obviously a very special time in our lives and really cool. So thank you so much for, for the shout out. Yes, congratulations, Andrew. We are very happy for you. And we force you to celebrate with the Packers community, even though you uh, don't <laughs> seem super excited about it. But um, are we ready just to jump in and, and talk some football? Let's do it. Yeah. All right, let's do it. So today's episode uh, is bringing us back 
for another episode. We, we're do, doing a little something we've done for four years now. It's a series focusing on not what the Packers did in the offseason, but what their upcoming 2023 opponents did. We already put the three NFC North teams under the microscope to talk about their free agent additions, subtractions, their draft picks, and other offseason moves. But now we're working our way through the Packers' non-divisional opponents for 2023. We began this process last week with the Falcons and the Saints, and this week we get to continue with conversations around the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. Absolutely. And so we just so happened for the second week in a row to have two teams in the same division lined up for the show. So the Packers, of course, have back to backs. And the first uh, one that we're going to talk about is the Packers playing the Raiders in Las Vegas in week five. I'm sure that's going to be a very popular destination for Packers fans on Monday, October 9th. Hopefully me too, uh, with a 715 central time kickoff on Monday Night Football. Uh, Maggie, you want to talk about coaching staff? Yeah, so not really any changes to the coaching staff. You have head coach Josh McDaniels entering his second year, and then he brought his team with him, offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi and defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Thought it was really interesting, bizarre, noteworthy that we are talking about two teams with offensive coordinators that have the last name Lombardi, and they are not related. Mick Lombardi is not related to the Broncos offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. Um, but it's a small world, I guess. That is a small world. What a weird coincidence, not related, not uh, related to the Packers at all and, and the history there. That's an odd football world we live in. But let's talk about the free agent additions here for the Raiders. Uh, made some moves this offseason. Jimmy Garoppolo comes over from San Francisco to be the new quarterback there. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers from New England. Safety Marcus Epps from Philly. Uh, tight end Austin Hooper, Tennessee Titans, guard Greg Van Roten from the Buffalo Bills, cornerback Duke Shelley from Minnesota, cornerback David Long from the Rams, defensive tackle John Jenkins from Miami, tight end O.J. Howard was with the Houston Texans. Is that right? Uh, made his way around the NFL a little bit. Wide receiver Philip Dorsett also from the Texans and defensive end Jordan Willis coming over from the 49ers. Yeah, and so uh, – Pretty big laundry list of free agency additions. Maggie's going to talk about the losses in a second, which is also a pretty long list. And you would expect, with the new coaching staff coming in last offseason, that there would be a pretty significant roster turnover. That's something that we see as a pattern. Um, but really not bringing back a whole lot of players. Uh, as, as far as re-signings go, at least the marquee ones, defensive lineman Jerry Tillery returned, so um, ended up you know, washing out with the Chargers after being a first-round pick ends up in uh, Las Vegas and is going to stick around for another season. Offensive tackle Jermaine Illuminor, who came over, I believe, from the Patriots um, and had a really, really nice 2022 season for the Raiders. And then fullback Jacob Johnson is back. Yeah, and also to clarify, so Mick Lombardi is not related to Joe Lombardi, but Joe Lombardi is related to Vince Lombardi. There we <laughs> just go. Just so okay. we have the Lombardi yeah. tree all cleared up. All right, so free agency <laughs> losses for the Raiders. Obviously, I think the headliner here, quarterback Derek Carr, off to the Saints. You have Edge, Clellan Farrell, went to San Fran. Tight end Foster Moreau, also to the Saints. Linebacker Denzel Perryman went to Houston. Corner Sidney Jones to Cincy. Defensive tackle Andrew Billings to Chicago. Corner Rakia Sin to 
Baltimore wide receiver Mac Hollins to Atlanta, and then tight end Darren Waller was traded to the New York Giants. Yeah, so continuing that roster turnover, um, you know, the Raiders had a pretty full draft class, and so with the seventh overall pick, the Raiders took edge Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech in the second round. They grabbed tight end Michael Mayer from Notre Dame in the third with two picks. They get defense lineman Byron Young, the one from Alabama, not Tennessee. And then also wide receivers Trey Tucker from Cincinnati in the fourth with two picks. They get cornerback Ja'Cory and Bennett Blazer from Maryland. And then quarterback Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. In the fifth, they took defensive back Christopher Smith, or Chris Smith, if you will, from Georgia. In the sixth, they get linebacker Amari Bernie from Florida. And in the seventh, defensive lineman Nesta Jade Silvera from Arizona State. I like what the Raiders were able to do here, especially early on in the draft, Andrew. I think Tyree Wilson has a massive ceiling, and it's going to be up to the coaching staff to see if they can maximize his insane athleticism and length. I thought Michael Mayer in the top of the second was a real steal, and this team needed that complementary piece to Devontae Adams, and Mayer has a chance to be that reliable option in the passing game as well as someone who can contribute as a blocker. I also kind of like the Georgia safety Chris Smith, who they got in the fifth. Uh, He had some good ball production and instincts. I thought he played bigger than he measured. You just kind of wish he was younger and faster. Those were kind of his his two knocks uh, that you could easily identify. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders did get an eventual starter there in Chris Smith in the fifth round. Interesting, I think they took Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati above his teammate Tyler Scott. Is that right? I, I believe that Tyler Scott went after Trey Tucker. So Maybe. that would be kind of an, an interesting one <laughs> to watch. Obviously, the Bears were able to land uh, Scott later in the draft, and a lot of people thought he would go. So that would be an interesting one that I would watch and kind of a head-scratcher in the order that they took those players. Yeah, I mean, this is an offense that was able to put up points last season, but the defense struggled mightily. I mean, they were 26th in the league in points allowed, 24.6 average. And I think you can see the emphasis there that they took on the defensive side of the ball in this draft class. I think Wilson, like Kyle said, has the potential to just be kind of a franchise-altering player, um, like the old regime had hoped that Farrell, I think, could be with that first-round selection, even though that was kind of a head-scratcher, I think, even back then. Um, but I do think that Mayer is really fun as well. I agree that I, I didn't expect him to slide into that early second. Um, losing Waller, losing Moreau. I mean, I think he's got a pretty significant role to kind of jump into right away. And I think that selection makes a lot of sense for a guy like Josh McDaniels. Gives him the ability uh, to kind of move around this offense with a do-it-all tight end. And, I mean, he had Gronk. You know, so I'm not comparing Michael Mayer to a guy like Rob Gronkowski, but you know that, you know, big tight ends have been a staple of the offensive that he's been a part of in the past. Yeah, definitely. And having that ability to block and then release is something that was a key component of what the Patriots did and hoping that the most balanced tight end in the draft, Michael Mayer, can continue that. So let's take a look at the offensive depth chart. The quarterback, of course, is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, who is backed up by Brian Hoyer, uh, really going heavy on former Patriots here. At running back, they do have Josh Jacobs, who had a phenomenal season last year, backed up by Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden. Jacob Johnson at fullback. And then the wide receiver room uh, looks pretty good for the starters. Devontae Adams, of course, continuing to be a top uh, you know, five NFL wide receiver. You have Jacoby Myers who comes in to be the secondary target and then Hunter Renfro out of the slot. 
They are backed up by a trio of veterans, Keelan Cole, Philip Dorsett, DeAndre Carter. And then across the, uh, well, actually, I'm going to move over to tight end first. Austin Hooper, Michael Mayer, O.J. Howard. That's a pretty nice trio there. And then across the offensive line, you have Colton Miller and Jermaine Illuminor at the tackles. Seems like a pretty nice duo. And then on the interior, Dylan Parham who is coming into his second year, hoping for a big jump there. Andre James, the center, Alex Bars, the guard, uh, and then some backups. You talk about Greg Van Roten, Hieronymus Grasso, Brandon Parker. Not a lot of depth here at offensive line. Yeah, there's some really fun things about this offensive roster, and I don't know if they're necessarily all good things. I don't know if they are predictive of success as a team, but, but they're fun to kind of look at how this team was built and put together. I totally forgot that Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard were on this team until we did this exercise. I guess you just imagine, like, if five years ago saying that a team had Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard and also just added a borderline first, uh, like, first, second round pick at tight end, you would have thought that that tight end room was absolutely stacked. So just kind of interesting to see how things change and how careers progress especially at that tight end position. But the other thing that sticks out to me is this wide receiver position, specifically wide receiver two behind Devontae. Renfro, Renfro is obviously still there. He doesn't have Derek Carr and that connection that they always had, but he does now have Josh McDaniels. And we know that the way uh, New England prioritized those slot wide receivers, so that could be a good match for him as they get some more time together to grow in this offense. And then, of course, Jacoby Myers, who flashed in New England. Obviously, he has the familiar familiarity with Josh McDaniels. It's just going to be really interesting to see who emerges here and to see if Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy to feed them the ball. It, it's also obvious that they were not hesitant to add in players from New England. When you go through this depth chart, you just see the fullback, Jacob Johnson, Brandon Bolden, um, uh, Justin Heron, the backup offensive lineman tackle, like as well as, of course, uh, Jacoby Myers, all these guys. Josh McDaniels had his guys, and he's brought a lot of those guys over, and it's obvious he wants to do a lot of the same things that they were able to do in New England. Yeah, so we'll flip over to the defensive side of the ball. And for Packers fans that maybe don't see the Raiders play a whole lot um, or aren't familiar with them, uh, they are led on defense by Max Crosby, who doesn't necessarily get the recognition that some of the other elite edge rushers around the league do. But I'm serious when I say Max Crosby probably should be talked about the same way that the Boses are and Miles Garrett. He might not be there yet but he is not far behind and uh one of the truly elite edge defenders in the league Chandler Jones of course getting a little older maybe has taken a step back but um still a fantastic player and backed up by Tyree Wilson and then also Jordan Willis coming over from San Francisco who I thought was always a really underrated edge rusher and then there's the rest of the defense uh the interior defense line jerry tillery Bilal nichols adam butler uh at linebacker these are legit starters in the nfl at linebacker robert spillane divine diablo that's it i don't know their base defense is listed as a nickel so those are the two best linebackers they have on their team that is not great uh, and then uh, at cornerback, they have free agent Duke Shelley coming over from the Vikings, David Long from the Rams, Nate Hobbs is a nickel, some depth there, Amik Robertson, a former draft crush of mine, uh, Brandon Faxon. And then at safety, Trayvon Merrig looking to bounce back after struggling a little bit in his second year. Marcus Epps came over as a free agent from Philly. Those are the starters. 
this is a real rough defense. Maggie? <laughs> yeah, I liked it when we when we started outlining the notes for this show, and I saw a defensive breakdown. My name was next to it, so thank you so much, because I <laughs> want to talk about this defense. But, I mean, like you said, there's some pieces to like, right? Max Crosby, absolutely a stud, does not get talked about enough in the league. Raiders certainly hoping that Tyree Wilson can be a compliment to him. Chandler Jones, like you said, had a little bit of a down year by his standards compared to his previous seasons, but still a great player. But beyond that front of edge rushers, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of concerns. And I think that secondary is in rough shape. We always talk about finding the guy on defense and the guy on offense. And I think outside of those couple edge rushers, there is no guy in that secondary. So I know I said like during the draft or when we when we broke down the draft that there was an emphasis on defense because there was, but I just don't think they did enough necessarily with these selections to move the needle much on that side of the ball for this coming season. Um, but then overall impressions of the roster now that we've kind of broken everything down, starting with Kyle, what'd you think? Maggie, you don't think that former Packer Curtis Bolton is enough to bolster that <laughs> linebacker room? I was a name I haven't thought I haven't seen in a while. That was kind of fun to see him pop up there again but yeah lots of questions there on the defensive side there's a lot of talent on this team it's kind of weird because they're attacking things like they're a win now team but they kind of have a bridge quarterback and he's kind of a bridge quarterback who can't stay healthy like famously can't stay healthy especially considering the division that they play in it's just kind of hard for me to imagine the Raiders finishing higher than third in this division the quarterback position feels like it is that one injury away from being a disaster there's just not another plan there you kind of thought that they would have someone else that they'd be bringing along and it's just not it's just not the case the interior offensive line has its questions but honestly they're kind of a scary team as far as how it applies to the Packers this season because they have some superstars and they can beat you any week because of those superstars. I just don't think that they'll have the consistency to string together a lot of wins over the course of the season. But Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, under the lights on Monday night is not going to be an easy task for the Packers in week five. So this is not a game that you can overlook. Obviously, I don't think, you know, with Jordan Love at quarterback and the season that the Packers are entering, I don't think they're looking past a lot of teams. But the Raiders are certainly a test that they're going to have to be up for when it comes to week five. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. 
Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Yeah, and that is a dangerous offense, but kind of flipping the the script there in baseball they always talk about being strong up the middle on defense well the same does hold true in football and the middle of this defense is like capital bad bad they, <laughs> they have borderline nfl guys at defensive tackle a really inexperienced linebacker crew i guess you kind of hope merrick bounces back to be more similar to what he was as a rookie and then Epps, you know, you hope he's more than just kind of a product of being surrounded by really talented players in Philly, Uh, but they are going to have a rough time getting stops just to keep this offense in the game, uh, even trying to reload this defense a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to say that this team got any better, but I also don't think they got any worse. I mean, I think their biggest flaw is kind of simply being in the same division as the Chiefs and the Chargers, knowing that they're going to get pushed around and bullied a little bit. I think the offense has pieces to love, obviously, because any offense with Devontae Adams is instantly lovable. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if he can develop a rapport with Jimmy G, um, since he was so close, obviously, with Carr, and that was what he said was one of the catalysts of being a Raider. The defense, I think, well, you know, Andrew kind of said it. Um, I'm not sure they're going to be able to make up enough of, uh, make enough of an impact in general to help the offense win games. So I'm not sure that they have the formula to be successful this year. Yeah, they better hope that they can somehow get a team into a third and medium, third and long, and let their pass rushers cook because they got a lot else going on for them on the defensive side of the ball. But switching focus, the Packers do play the Denver Broncos uh, at Denver in Week 7, coming off of Green Bay's bye week. And that game is going to be played on Sunday, October 22nd, with a 3.15 p.m. Central Time kickoff. The Broncos did, of course, have a lot of turnover uh, on their coaching staff, trading for head coach Sean Payton. Uh, the aforementioned Joe Lombardi does come in to be the offensive coordinator. And Vance Joseph does a very weird return. The former <laughs> head coach of the Broncos is coming back as the defensive coordinator. That is a weird transition. I didn't catch that. That's that's odd. Uh, the free agency additions here, very notable names. I think they did a nice job with what they could do this offseason. Offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey comes over from the 49ers. Ben Powers, the guard from the Ravens. Defensive end Zach Allen from the Arizona Cardinals. Running back Samaj P. Ryan comes over and gives some help in that running back room as they wait for some injury recoveries. Uh, defensive end Frank Clark from the Kansas City Chiefs. And punter Riley Dixon from the Rams. 
Yeah, just a couple of re-signings here, but I think some significant ones. Linebacker Alex Singleton um, played both defense and special teams, primarily on the defensive side of the ball. And then safety Kareem Jackson, who played 100% of defensive snaps for them. So a valuable addition to that safety room that they were able to bring back. Yeah, the Broncos did lose a few key contributors. Uh, one, this is just kind of a note because it's a recognizable name, but running back Chase Edmonds, after being acquired via trade from the Dolphins, returns to Florida as he signs with Tampa Bay in the offseason. Uh, Draymond Jones, the defensive lineman, got a ton of money from Seattle. We all know Billy Turner, and he is, of course, headed to the New York Jets slash Packers. And then uh, Graham Glasgow, the guard, goes over to Detroit. And kicker Brandon McManus leads for Jacksonville. And that is a fascinating one because the Broncos are going, like, real unproven at kicker, I believe. Um, And, you know, you would think for a team that has invested in the way that they have to win now, they'd be a little bit more keen on keeping McManus, who's been one of the better kickers in the league. Yeah, so then looking at their draft class, they did not have a first-round pick this year. Obviously, sent that away for Russell Wilson. But their second-round pick, they took Marvin Mims Jr., the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Two third-rounders, they took Drew Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas, and then Riley Moss, the defensive back out of Iowa. In the sixth round, they took J.L. Skinner, the safety out of Boise State. And then in the seventh round, they took Alex Forsythe, the center, out of Oregon. So just five picks for this Broncos team this year. Maggie, I feel like you kind of have to grade this cur- this class on a curve, right? Like the Broncos, they don't have that first-round pick. So when you take that into consideration, I think they added some nice talent here. I was a big fan of Marvin Mims. I think he has a real chance to be a better, more well-rounded pro than he was college player. And it's going to be interesting where he slots into this rotation with Sutton and Judy already there. Lots of weapons now for Coach Payton and Russ Wilson to distribute the ball to. Drew Sanders in the third kind of felt like good value there. I wasn't super high on Riley Moss, but in the third, it's totally a fine pick. I see why you would make it. I really like the shot they took on J.L. Skinner. He's super long, is really an enticing developmental safety uh, prospect with good instincts and ball skills. But he's kind of lanky and not super effective in man coverage. So it'll be interesting to see how they deploy him, but a really interesting athlete there in the fifth round. I thought he was kind of a steal. Okay, before we get into the depth chart, two really quick special teams notes. Number one, the Broncos' current starting kicker is Elliot Fry, who is from South Carolina, and he came into the league as an undrafted free agent in 2019, so not that long ago, correct? Mm-hmm. Here are teams that Elliot Fry has been. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Chicago, Baltimore, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Kansas City, Green Bay, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Arizona, and Denver. I forgot that... he had a cup of coffee with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of frequent flyer miles. Wow. Woo! Man. The second special teams note, I completely forgot this when we were talking about the Raiders. The Raiders have two of the best specialists in the league, maybe the best tandem. If you look at uh, Daniel Carlson and their punters, A.J. Cole. And the reason why I just wanted to bring that up, one thing that I think is really underrated is how a special teams coordinator brings along those specialists. It's not just the kick coverage units and return units that we always think about, but how are you developing the specialists? 
And of course, Rich Basaccia mm-hmm. had a very big hand in the development of both of those players. So I just wanted to kind of give uh, the weekly Rich Basaccia shout out. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the Broncos and Elliot Fry's uh, franchise. Their offensive depth chart, of course, uh, led by Russell Wilson at quarterback. Jarrett Stidham comes over to be the backup. Uh, I do want to mention their third-string quarterback, whose name is Jarrett Guaratano. Great name. All right. Uh, at running back, Javante Williams is coming off a torn ACL, uh, but looking to be the starter. And then Samaje Pirine comes over from Cincy to be the backup. At wide receiver, this is a room that's always been really talented. Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. The backups, Marquez Callaway, who has a lot of familiarity with Sean Payton. Uh, Marvin Remims, the... Uh, rookie KJ Hamler so a ton of talent there but maybe a little bit of untapped potential at tight end uh, Greg Dulcich who I think is an exciting young prospect uh, is the starter there Chris Mannerts Adam Troutman as depth and across the offensive line Garrett Bowles is a really good left tackle you have Ben Powers the free agent acquisition Lloyd Cushenberry at center Quinn Miners former UW-Whitewater player at right guard and then Mike McGlinchey another big free agent acquisition at right tackle uh, so kind of an instant, interesting offensive depth chart. Yeah, it feels kind of like the pieces are all here now, right? For Russ and Sean Payton to turn this offense around. They have the receivers. Like you said, Dulcich could be that emerging piece at tight end. I think they probably feel pretty good about the offensive line, especially with the addition of McGlinchey. I was sold that McGlinchey was going to be a Chicago Bear, and I like to kind of – it's interesting to wonder what the Bears' plans in the draft would have looked like if McGlinchey had ended up in Chicago, of course, uh, with them taking the right tackle there in the first round. But obviously that's that's water under the bridge. But uh, so the Broncos offense set to kind of rebound here. I think if they don't, I think Russell Wilson's seat is going to get hot pretty quick when you look at this roster and you look at all the weapons that he has. I don't think that there's really going to be a lot of wiggle room here for him if he doesn't find that success. Absolutely. And then on uh, defense, the defensive line is anchored by Zach Allen, who got paid by the Broncos. <laughs> DJ Jones in the middle, Matt Henningsen, the former Wisconsin Badger. Uh, those are your starters on the defensive line. And then the edge rushers, uh, Baron Browning, really exciting young player who, if you don't know yet, you're probably going to hear a lot about this season. At the other edge rusher, Randy Gregory, who had a really nice year coming over from Dallas. Uh, Frank Clark, the free agent acquisition they mentioned before, Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito. So some good quality depth there uh, to support those starters. Inside linebackers, you got Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. Drew Sanders, the rookie, backing them up. In that corner, you have one of the best young corners in the league in Pat Sertain Jr. Uh, you also have Damari Mathis opposite of him, Kwan Williams in the slot, Traymond Smith, uh, who we all know uh, at, as a backup corner, uh, former Packer, rookie Riley Moss. And then at safety, we're talking Kareem Jackson, the veteran, Justin Simmons, one of the better young safeties in the league, although he's not that young anymore. Uh, but one of the better safeties in the league, Caden Stearns, a really, really nice backup that they have there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we just talked about it with the Raiders finding the guy, and the Broncos absolutely have some of those guys. You look at Justin Simmons, you mess, you mentioned Patrick Sertain. I think the unit was like seventh in red zone defense last year and second and third down defense. So, I mean, 
Vance Joseph, obviously, back with the Broncos now after a stint with the Cardinals. So it'll be interesting to see what he can get out of this group. But he's got some familiar faces to work with, too. Obviously, like Zach Allen, who, like you said, got paid, came in as a free agent. Frank Clark also, I think, was a nice get in free agency to support that edge unit and give it some give it some juice. Yeah, I don't know if Sean Payton is uh, a miracle worker as we kind of jump into the overall impressions of the roster. I'm just sitting here thinking about what is the Sean Payton impact on this roster? Because obviously they paid up for it. They believe that he's the answer. But I do think that this team should be better this year. It's going to be interesting to see what the offensive identity is because we know that Russ has been wanting to air it out a little bit more and put a little bit more pressure on his arm. But his success in Seattle came with a run-heavy offense, and we kind of saw things kind of fall apart last year. But Javante Williams is coming off a big injury. So I guess the question is, is Samaj P. Ryan talented enough to run your offense through if you don't have Javante? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know what their intent is there. The defense has some pieces, but they also have some holes, especially up front, I think, on the defensive line. And what I'm curious about, because you talked about how good they were that last year, and of course Vance Joseph has a pretty good reputation, but the loss of Jairo Evero to the Panthers, I think this could be a really interesting thing to watch to see if there is a regression there from the success that they had last year. So I think the offense improves a little bit, but I do think we may see the defense come back to earth a little bit, even though they have so many talented players on this roster. Yeah, I've never, I I agree with you, Kyle. I've never really bought into Sean Payton as this great coach. So the assumption they get a lot better just based on who they hired is a little bizarre to me. However, I do think this is an offense that should take a step. And Russell Wilson just simply can't be as bad as he was last year. Um, Plus, there's some good weapons around him. One stat, I'm sure maybe you heard this at some point last year. The Broncos were, I think, three and nine uh, to start the season. And the stat was if they had scored 18 points in every game, which is very reasonable for any NFL offense, especially one that gave up as much as they did for their quarterback, they would have been 10 and two. Wow. And so like, this is a very elite defense and if their offense can just be like average. They could end up being really good. Um, I do believe that they grossly overpaid to fix the offensive line, but it should be a lot better. So there, that's mm. the good news. doesn't matter what you pay them uh, if, if it improves it. And I like the developmental prospects of Greg Dulcich at tight end. This defense should be good, maybe even really, really good. But I agree with Kyle. Some regression should be expected. Overall, I think this is a really competitive team. They should be slightly favored in a matchup against a team like Green Bay, especially given that the game is in Denver. Yeah, I mean, you said it already, Andrew. We're talking about a team that had the literal worst offense in the league last year when it came to scoring points. So, I mean, if you look at the pieces they have, it should be surprising. I mean, and that's how I think, you know, we'll be able to gauge the success of Sean Payton's first year with and he get the most out of the players that he already has to turn things around with an offense that should have been much better than it actually was. And I think this roster is, it kind of feels net neutral. Like they lost a few pieces in free agency. They gained a few pieces. There's no like huge headliners. They didn't have a first round pick, but they had a nice depth draft. So, I mean, I think this one really is just going to come down to what you guys have already mentioned, how successful can Sean Payton and Russell Wilson be turning things around in Sean's first year, Russ's second year with Denver. And I think, you know, of course we said it with the Raiders too. They're still in a division with the chiefs. And, uh, but I think this roster in and of itself has plenty to like. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I am certainly learning a lot as we dive through the Packers' upcoming schedule, and we'll continue to do that in the coming weeks. But that is all time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney, and also on Pax What She Said. And you can find me at Andrew Merzig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star review. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. And next week, we'll be back continuing our schedule breakdown. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.